Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to today's Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Webinar. I'm Jared Correa, and I'm one of the practice management consultants at Massachusetts LOMAP, where we provide law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. Now, either you've tuned in live or you're listening to our archived podcast via Legal Talk Network. Today, we're going to hear from Adam Kozloff, who's the CEO of Virtuoso Communications. He's going to talk to us about transforming your law firm's blog into a profitable ebook, and he's going to give you a 16-step guide on how to do so. For those of you listening online live, please feel free to ask questions via the chat, and Adam will answer those as they arise throughout the webinar. For those of you listening in the archive, well, you're out of luck. Well, not really. You can always email Adam. Thanks, and we'll be back next month. Well, thank you, Jared, and thank you, everyone from around the globe or country for, for joining me. Um, I'm uh, excited to do this webinar and help you guys, wherever you are, turn your blog that you've already written into a great ebook that you can use for years, decades. Um, and anyway, so let's just jump in. I'm going to do the, I created this, created this PowerPoint and I hope you enjoy it. There's some fun slides. So let's see. So like I said, this is about taking the, the blog content that you have on your website and potentially other content that you've created over the years and making it into an ebook. And we'll talk about, this is not about how to market the ebook. Once you have it, this is basically about getting the ebook done, taking like the caterpillar and turning it into a butterfly. You know, before we want to go, I want to know if you guys are in the right place. I know you're as an attorney, you probably earn hundreds of dollars an hour. And so I want to make sure this is a, this is time well spent for you. Um, so you know, there's, there's certain prerequisites I think that would be good to have in place to get the most value out of this webinar. And these are for, for basically three assumptions. Number one, that um, you understand the value of blogging for your law firm, that you already do blog. Um, if you don't have any blog posts or content on your website, it's going to be I mean, this will still be useful, but it'll be more theoretical. And I want this to be more practical for you. Um, so just some, you know, obviously some statistics about the importance of blogging. HubSpot says uh, marketers who prioritize blogging are 13 times more likely to have a good ROI. And uh, social media says, uh, social media today says small businesses that blog get 126% more leads. And, you know, if you, you know, there's, Tons of statistics about the importance of blogging and the power of it. I've done, you know, I've done a lot of this myself for attorneys, and I can tell you that it does get results. It's not an instant fix um, to get you to the top of the search engines, but it's a really great tool because you're, you know, in today's world where you're constantly interrupted, um, it's a um, and people have no attention span. You, when you constantly throw good information at people's faces, that reminds you that you that reminds them that you exist. It's a, it's a great tool. So, but I'm assuming you have something that we can use as grist for the mill for the book. Okay. Section, second assumption is do you understand the value of eBooks for your law firm? Some attorneys I speak to, they're, they're kind of like, what, what is an eBook? Why do I care? Um, and there's, there's a few reasons that we should talk about why I think this is important, why I like this topic and why I think it's a useful tool. First of all, it allows you to become a thought leader in an area of law that you love. And this is, and we're going to come back to this later, but like you need to, as you're building a business, I'm building a business too. 
if you want to focus on stuff that you're passionate about, that you love doing, that, that you feel like is producing some, some kind of value for the world. And, um, you know, when you do different kinds of marketing, allow you to get at that in different ways. I think eBooks are great because you can just, you can really zero in on something that you love to do and talk about it and become known as the expert, um, in that capacity. Um, and it also has sort of longevity, evergreen capacity. When you put up a bit, like if you're a personal injury attorney and you put up a billboard, uh, on the, the highway, you know, that might be very expensive and then it goes away. And it's hard for you to kind of scale your business. But with an ebook, if you, you have uh, an ebook that works and you've, you've plugged it into a system that's generating business, that's generating a return, you can just keep doing that and you can scale and then you can hire effectively and you can grow your firm as you want to grow it. And it allows you to a certain level of control. Um, I, I mean, one way of thinking about it is like if you, like you think about a fire hydrant and uh, the water that comes out of there is, is like the marketing juice. Um, you know, using TV or radio or billboards is like taking a, a sledgehammer and smashing at the fire hydrant. It'll kind of burst open, but you can't replicate it. Whereas I think an ebook and other kinds of good in-down marketing is like turning a faucet on and off. And it's a lot easier to scale your business if you can kind of turn the faucet on and turn the faucet off. Sometimes you want to turn it off, right? If you're going on vacation, as you need to, to get what you need out of the marketing. You can also plug the ebook into a pay-per-click campaign, which a lot of my clients have done, um, and use emails to follow up people who've opted in for your book. Um, so again, it's an, another way to use the ebook. You can print it out and give it away at speaking engagements. Some of my client Heather has done that really successfully. I wrote a book for her about women getting divorced in Florida, um, a, a woman's guide to divorce in Florida, and she has been printed her book out and she gives it away, and that's the guilt allows for bill cachet. Um, you know, again, you can target the clients that you want with a kind of, I call a dog whistle approach. It just calls out to them as opposed to getting people into your marketing system. You don't really want, we're kind of B and C and F clients. Um, and the other thing is it helps you, um, you help your clients get them, it gets them to know, like, and trust you before they even talk to you. So it's a way to kind of break the ice and they, they you know, you're giving them value up front. They see that you care about them. And you've helped them. And that makes them more likely to hire you or refer business to you. Okay. Last assumption is that you're, you know, you, you know that the blogs, you've got a good blog. It's working. Your eBooks are, uh, you understand why you would want an eBook, but you're constrained because you maybe there's a bunch of things that are the problems. First of all, you might not have not have enough time. This, I get this a lot with people. If you're a small, if you're running a small or medium sized firm, you're putting out fires constantly you're, you're in a constant state of triage and you're like, well, I'd like to get to uh, get to a book. There's a book in me, but I, I, I don't have time. Uh, the other thing is maybe you don't have a good writer either. You know, you, you, you trust yourself with the content, but you don't have anyone you trust outside of your firm or inside your firm to kind of do the work that, you, that would need to get done. Um, you might be on a tight budget, so it's hard for you to, who you're going to hire. Um, you might be confused. Well, I've got a lot of things I can write about, but I'm not sure what I should write about. And then finally, you might be stumped about how to just technically do it. Um, and that's, that could be a problem. So those are the three assumptions. Um, now the promise of this presentation, I hope you like this little beautiful rainbow, um, is that I'm going to show you how to do this in a step-by-step -step fashion to take the blog post that you have and turn it into an ebook. And the process is not going to require a lot of technical work or even literary skill or expenses. And I'm going to show you kind of exactly how to do, how to figure out what to write about. And, you know, I would suggest doing this as I, as I lay it out. Um, and the final thing is I'm going to show you a real secret that is not very intuitive about how to transform your blog into an ebook, because one of the challenges is that your blog posts are kind of scattered all over the place 
And an ebook needs to be somewhat linear, right? You need to take people through, almost tell them a story. And if you have content that's not story-like, it's like, how do you do that? How do you take a content that's sort of all over the place and make it into something that's coherent? And that's a real challenge. Um, I mean, without actually writing a ton of extra content to fill it in. So we're going to talk about how to do that. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, okay, it's another pic- this is a picture of me back when I had even more, you know, more hair than I do now. Um, so who am I? Like, why am I giving this you know, webinar? Um, so let me give you some basic uh, background on me. Um, I graduated Yale University uh, with a degree in geophysics in 99. I'm not an attorney. My dad is one. He's an environmental lawyer in Connecticut. Um, I moved to, I have a kind of a quirky background. I moved to Los Angeles to be screenwriter. And I, um, I, I've, I've actually had some success. I wrote for Mel Brooks on the show Spaceballs, the animated series. I've sold movies, um, written for you know a bunch of different things. Um, but the, my web writing thing was the day job that I had to support my screenwriting habit. And it evolved um, over the years into my mainly writing for attorneys. It just kind of happened into this niche. Guess get kept getting hired by attorneys, and so since about two thousand eight or nine, I've written mostly for attorneys. All told, I've written um, probably thirty eight thousand blog posts, web pages, and ebook pages, um, thousands of pages for attorneys. I've written now about sixty or so books for lawyers, um, including like, mostly I, I've done personal injury, um, criminal defense, estate planning, family law. I haven't done that much corporate law. Um, I did immigration law too. Um, and so the, uh, finally, the final piece of my puzzle is I, in around 2008 or nine, I became obsessed with low carb diets. Uh, randomly enough, I read this book by this guy named Gary Taubes, who's an author, bestselling author. And I've since become friends with him. And I've blogged at this blog called calorie gate. I don't want to get into it too much, but basically it's, I, I've kind of obsessed with the idea that it's, you know, we don't get fat because we overeat. We get fat because our fat cells make us fat. And the reason why our fat cells get fat is because of insulin, which is a hormone. And, and then the, the big control of insulin is carbohydrate. So if you want to lose weight, you cut carbs, which lowers insulin, which makes your fat cells less fat. Anyway, big long story there. You can check out CalorieGate if you want uh, to learn more about but that. But the point is, like my virtue, it took me a while to kind of get who I was because I had these kind of three careers simultaneously, the screenwriting, the web writing, and the uh, uh, low carb. And accepting sort of this trifectate nature was a big kind of part of my development as an entrepreneur um, because it was, you know, it was very important to me. I've had a lot of uh, you know, success with the ebook writing for attorneys. And part of it is I now have done so much of this work, I, just, I understand the process and I'm able to replicate it in different, in, for different attorneys that I really don't know anything about. So for instance, you know, I wrote this book for this guy, Eric Roll, who's great on, on probate. And I didn't really know understand probate law, but I understand how to write books on probate law, which is a, seems like it would be the same thing, but it's not a different skill. Um, anyway, so I'm proud of what I've been able to accomplish for people. And um, I'm, I'm excited to sort of teach you what sort of the, the interior process that I use to make ebooks for people. Now it's going to be slightly different because a lot of ebooks I've written are, for, are from scratch. So someone will come to me and say, I have an idea about, I want to write a book about Mississippi personal injury law, you know, and I'll say, okay, we'll write about car accidents and I'll, I'll, I'll take the process from the ground up. But I'm assuming that you already have the, the rough material, the raw material that you're going to use to make the book. And so that, that we're going to focus just on that. Um, Okay, so here's it's basically a 16 step process. Um, it's not it's not that complicated. It's actually going to be pretty fun. So 
Um, let's just dive in. So some of the stuff, and actually we're going to talk, it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk theoretical first. Um, and I'm going to get into a little bit of um, almost spiritual, uh, deep conversations at first, because I think in order to make the ebook powerful and evergreen and useful for your firm, you need to have kind of deep introspective conversations with yourself about what you're, what are you, what are you really trying to do? Not just with your marketing, but with your business and with your life. It's, it, it, you have to go that deep if you really want to get the maximum results. So these, it's a simple process, but it's not necessarily simple to execute. Um, but it's worthwhile doing no matter what. Okay. Step one, this is a little bit, uh, um, I don't know what to say. It's obvious or it's kind of ridiculous. You need to determine who you are. There's a great philosophy. I forgot who made it up, some kind of entrepreneurial philosophy, which is called be, do, have. And the idea is most of us pursue what we want in the opposite way. We say, okay, if I, if I can just have X, Y, Z, um, you know, then, then I'll do the right things and then I'll be the person I want to be. So I want to be happy. So if I have, you know, an income that brings me $500,000 a year, then I will finally be able to do what I need to do, like go on a meditation retreat or make time with my family, and then I'll be happy. And so we have this, this is a kind of acquisitive mentality that we inherit through our culture. And, and the, the method I'm suggesting that you want to do is, 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 is reverse that. First, you want to say, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be to yourself? Who do you want to be to your clients? Who do you want to be to your employees, the attorneys who work for you, the paralegals? Who do you want to be for the society as whole? Once you understand that, then you're going to start to do the right things and finally have what you really want. And it's in, in, in this kind of inversion is very important because it's going to affect what, how you pick your book title and, and, and how you think about the book that you're going to create. So, you don't have to go too heady here, but that's really important to figure out who, who, it is, who is it, what kind of persona do you want to project to the marketplace? Because this ebook is going to allow you to project, say, I am an expert. I know you can't use the word expert, but you're going to say, I am an expert or specialist in some area of law that I love. So it has to start from, some, from within. Along those lines, step two is you have to figure your purpose. And this is a sort of a broad brush thing, but what's the purpose of your firm? What are you trying to do? You know, why, why would people want to work with you? Why do people want to hire you? What's the purpose of your life? Why does this book need to exist? You have to ask these deep questions, I think, because this is actually work that people ignore. And they ignore it at their peril. And they get products that they don't really use or they kind of throw away or they don't really, they're not proud of and nothing happens with it. So I'm saying it's, it's, it's tempting to skip these steps, but I say don't. Um, why does the book exist? Uh, what, what's this book going to do for your clients, for your employees, for your family? And my, uh, my mentor, uh, online marketing, Rich Sheffrin, um, always taught this idea called first them, then you. So first, what are you going to give for other people? How are you going to help them? And then you'll benefit. So if you think about how you, other people are going to benefit first, that's a great way to uh, structure your book. Um, the Dalai Lama, of course, I love, you know, you gotta, gotta, gotta quote the Dalai Lama. He said, our prime purpose in this life is to help others. And if you can't help them, at least don't hurt them. So again, this book should be something to contribute positively to the world. And my purpose in life and in business, the thing that unifies my sort of three things is to find, spread and create insights that make people's lives more wonderful. You know, I love being able to kind of see things in a new way, show people you know, new perspectives on life. And, and, and this is vital because, you know, I was making this PowerPoint yesterday and I was tired. 
Um, my, you know, I, I'm getting over a cold and my, my two small kids running around and I'm like, I don't really, I'm, you know, I'd rather just, you know, surf the internet, go on Facebook, read, you know, the onion and click hole and everything. But, you know, I have, I, I, I love being able to communicate cool new things to people. So I'm like, I was thinking, okay, there's going to be attorneys on the call tomorrow and I'm going to be able to help them see something in a new way that's going to make their lives better. And so that energized me and helped me finish the PowerPoint. And so what I'm saying is you tapping into that purpose, it's going to help you write a better book and be a better marketer. Okay. So step three is Stephen Covey of the seven habits of highly successful people always taught us to begin with the end in mind. So you need to figure out what is going to, what your, what's the end product is going to look like and work backwards. And my, one of my favorite writers, business writer, David Allen, who wrote the books, uh, getting things done and making it all work. He talks about beginning with the end in mind as in the following way. He said, you should view the project from beyond the completion date. So when it's all done, don't think about like the steps it's going to take to do it. You know, from beyond the finish line, envision wild success. So what is it going to look like for you when this book is completely done? How is it going to make you feel? What is, you know, what's it, how are you going to use it in the marketing? Are you going to print it out and give it away? Um, are you going to use it in a pay-per-click campaign, which I think is very useful because to go on a little bit of a tangent here, one of the things with marketing is you want to make it systematized and replicable. So if you have an ebook, that's great. And you have a pay-per-click campaign, so you can send traffic from Google or Facebook or where have you to the page to download your book. And you know how much it costs to get one person to download your book. And you know how many people on average who download your book turn into clients and you know how much your average client from that process is worth, you can scale your business. You can turn on and off that funnel as needed. You can grow your firm. And this is why I think, again, why eBooks and inbound marketing in general are so useful. Um, the other thing is, you know, when do you want this to be done? How is it going to fit in with the rest of your marketing and other priorities? I'm sure you're completely busy and swamped as are we all. So is this something you want to do now? You want to understand what the book is supposed to do for you and your firm. And also, and this is the most important part about this visioning, what it doesn't need to do for you. And that's so important because sometimes, you know, you might, you might go through this webinar thinking, I really need an ebook. And at the end, you're like, I don't need an ebook right now. And that's good. What I'm saying is, you know, cause you, cause you want to, maybe you can find a sh another kind of marketing shortcut that will reach your goals. And what I'm saying is you want to figure out the least you need to do to get the results. So that's why beginning and the end of the line is important. Step number four, excuse me, is to identify your A clients. Who is, who do you really, really want to, you want to do? You want to connect with for this book. Um, and let me see. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. So the idea is that there are, I'm sure you, you work with a, a range of clients. Some people will pay well and pay on time and they're fun to work with and they get you to do challenging work. That's not too crazy. Um, and it's kind of, you want to focus on this work. And then there's B clients. People are like, ah, I'll take them. They're not ideal. And then onward through the spectrum. You want to figure out, you, you know, um, who it is that you're really trying to target. And Dan Kennedy, another marketing genius, once had his students do an exercise where he said, okay, on one piece of paper, I want you to write down your favorite cartoon character or, or, or character from TV and tell me all about that person. You know, what does that person do in the morning? You know, the, he gets up or she gets up in the morning and how does the, how does the day, day play out? What is this person's fears? What motivates this person? You know, what are, you know, what are their quirks? And, you know, you, let's say you Homer Simpson, you know, so you can write all about Homer. 
We all know Homer, blah, blah, blah. But now, then he said, okay, now turn the paper over and now write your A client down, your ideal client. Do the same thing for your A client. And most people can't, <laughs> they have only a vague sense of who that person is. They don't know their habits. They don't know their fears. They don't know their drivers. They don't know what they're trying to do. Or if they do, it's only in generic terms. And what I'm saying is, the more clearly you can identify this A client, the easier it's going to be to write your book because that's going to take us to step five, which is to figure out a big idea for your book. And I, you know, what you do is you figure out your A client and you answer one big problem for this client you know he or she has. Not three, not two. It's got to be consistent in a world where just too much information going on. It has to be very clear. I mean, a good example is this webinar. You know, I said, this is not a you know, taking a step-by-step uh, write an ebook webinar for anybody. It's not uh, even one for lawyers. It's for lawyers who have a blog and they want to make an ebook out of it. It's very, very targeted. So it's a big idea that's very clear, and I'm not doing 10 different things with it. It's just one thing. So, you know, I'm in, in LA, I'm a screenwriter. One of the things we talk about is an elevator pitch, which is the idea of if you have to sum up the book in 30 seconds on an elevator ride, what is it? Will people get it? Will they want to buy it? Um, so, you know, and again, with this kind of, you want to trust your instincts and stick close to what you're doing. Um, however, and this is where the B do have thing comes in. You want to be aspirational. So you want to figure out like, what, what do you want to really be known for? You know, if you're, let's say you're a divorce attorney and you would love to be doing high net worth divorces because they pay more and it's just easier for you. You're not like trying to get money from people all the time, but most of your clients are not those, those clients. So Fine, write the book for the A clients. Aspire to them. Because when you aspire to, you know, when you're focused on what you really want to be, then you're gonna then you're gonna write the right kind of book. Um, and you know, one of the things people can do here is you can look at your content assets, your blog posts, your web pages, uh, other stuff you have, and that will obviously constrain what you're gonna do if we're gonna if you're gonna write the book from existing content. But I kind of I suggest you start with what you already have. start. Don't look at the content you have. Start from this aspirational thing. Like, what would be great? Again, what would be a great book to write um, as opposed to what you can do? A brainstorm, generate a bunch of ideas. You know, generate at least 20 ideas. Pitch them to your partner, your family people, I and mean, family people. <laughs> Pitch them to your family people. Um, you want to get this right. You want to, you know, don't be afraid to brainstorm. You know, if, if if it starts to get hard to brainstorm, brainstorm some more. And again, um, workmanlike titles are better than literary titles or adventurous titles because you're writing a how-to book. You're writing something that's going to be going to give answer somebody's need. So um, you might want to, if you you know, you want to throw in a reference to Chaucer or Dickens, don't do it. Just, just be, be. I don't want to say boring, but be specific. Um, using numbers in your title is always good. Um, the, you know, 10 myths about whatever, um, don't make promises you can't keep be ethical. That's important. Also the perfect is the enemy of the good. So, you know, you might not make, you know, I'm giving you a lot of things to think about, but at the end of the day, just pick a title, just pick a concept. You don't want to sit here and, and, and uh, worry, it over, worry over it because, you know, this is your first project. You might want to do another one and there's just, you can always you can always redo things later. Uh, I would say to qualify as an ebook, it should be at least twenty five pages and not more than fifty pages. Probably, um, you know, clients are not going to prospects are not going to want to read a you know exegesis uh, uh, that you've written about whatever. They they just want to get it in and out. 
Um, and likewise, if it's less than 25 pages, it's almost like it's most like a report or a white paper. You can still do that. I'm not saying don't do that. If you don't have enough blog content to go to 25 pages, but you can only go to 15, that still can be useful. It's just not an ebook. You can make it into a report and give it away on the website and still have a lot of things. Okay. Big secret tip. Now, one of the challenges, remember I mentioned before, one of the challenges here is that you have um, a lot of um, just, um, disparate, uh, just disparate pieces, right? You've written blog posts, let's say you're, you're a um, estate planning attorney. You've written some pieces on divorce. You've written on child custody. You've written on um, collaborative divorce. And so you have all these different things that don't seem to go together. And how are you going to turn them into a coherent ebook? Now, the, the, the way, the way I, I suggest doing it is a, I call it the garbage salad approach. It's almost like you're creating a bathroom book or a book of essays. So what you want to do is you create a unifying theme and then tie all the, all the, uh, S, all the blog posts into that theme. So you know, again, you want each essay to stand on its own in this particular process that we're doing so that people can kind of flip open to a page and read like a really interesting blog post you wrote about, you know, prenuptials, or if you're a personal injury attorney, a blog post on um, what to do after a slip and fall, or if you're a bankruptcy attorney, like the differences between chapter seven and chapter 13 bankruptcy. So the point is, these essays should stand on their own, just like your blog posts already stand on your own, and you bind them with a theme. And that is how you're able to turn your blog posts or whatever content you use into an ebook, even though it doesn't seem like an ebook. Um, I'll get into how to do this. So I'll give you some examples. These are from people I've written. I've written these books for people. Um, just again, workmanlike titles, right? A Woman's Guide to Divorce in Florida. What women need to gain an advantage in the process. This is my client, Heather Quick, Wonderful Woman. It's a very, very you know, it's a title that is very, very clear what this book is about. You know, again, I, all of these, I noticed later that all these titles have the word guide in them, but that's, you know, I, you know, it's not very creative. The point is here not, you don't want to be creative. This is not a chance for you to be creative or flex your literary wings or flap your literary wings. This is a chance to communicate a very concrete value to a prospect or client about what you do. And you don't want to make it, don't make it complex or ornate. What are you trying to tell? Um, okay. So now... Let's get into the, the actual um, fun stuff here. Of Now that you've done this work, now you, at this point you have figured out your purpose, your, what you're going to do with the book, who you're about, what your title is going to be. And now you want to scan your... Now you have to take an inventory of your stuff. Excuse me. So you want to scan your blogs and other content you've already created. As I said before, blogs are the best because they're all kind of the same size you're creating a chapter book, the, the garbage salad approach we're going to do, they should all be the same size, right? And ideally, and they're standalone, they're short. You can also use your web pages or your podcasts or interviews you've done where you own the rights or any other piece of marketing content that you can transcribe and put into the ebook. And I would say, do not be afraid to self-cannibalize. I mean, I think a lot of attorneys might say, well, I've got this on my website. It's going to be redundant. People are going to read the ebook and they say, it's on my, on my site too. Nobody cares. The thing about it, the thing about web content is people are going to do what they want, and they're not going to sit there and read every page on your website. And if they do notice, then you can. Who cares? Uh, uh, this is a, this is a common practice these days to repurpose your content. So um, again, as you're going through these blogs, you might want to say which of these are going to is going to support my thesis for the book. And again, you're looking for just grist for the mill. Um, I would say since your time is valuable. 
have someone in your office or a virtual assistant do this for you. Go through your blogs and say, you know, you basically say, look, here's my ebook. Here's what it's about. Here's what I'm trying to do with it. Okay. Three sentences. Go through all of my assets and either transcribe them for me or just look at them and then give me a data dump. Give me everything that you think that might be valuable and maybe even order, order it for me a little bit. Um, so that way you're not having to do this process. Okay. Next part. This is a, a big idea thing. Again, coming back to the idea of beginning with the end in mind, you want to write the introduction and the conclusion to the book. These are two pages. Now I know I said, this is the, these, these should be the only pages you need to write from scratch. If you do it this way, you want to, because what it'll, by bookending the book this way, you're going to know what the book is about. You're going to know what it's supposed to accomplish. And you're going to know what this collection of essays in between, how's how that's supposed to fit in. And I, I always like to open with empathy. If you notice, even in this presentation, I said, you know, who, where you are, what's your problem? You know, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your, what are your sticking points? So if you're um, writing to, um, you know, you're writing a book on divorce, Okay, so you're getting divorced or you're thinking about getting divorced. You know, you're probably scared because of XYZ. You're confused about this. You're angry about this. This book is going to show you blah, 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 blah to solve those problems. I know it's, you might think that's in, implicit, but I, I'm suggesting you make it explicit. It's the old rule of writing. Number one, tell them what you'll tell them. Number two, tell them. And number three, tell them what, you'll, what you told them. I'm doing this in this presentation too. If you notice, this is a good way to structure your, your, your book so it seems more coherent than it might actually be. Because again, you're starting with something that's kind of incoherent, blogs and website content and other assets that you've created over um, several years, perhaps. And so it's like, there's no rhyme or reason. Well, you're making a rhyme and reason here. You're giving them an intro, you're giving a conclusion, and so you're creating these bookends. Um, and again, what is this going to do for the prospect? How is the prospect going to feel before, before reading the book, after reading the book. And I would suggest, you know, keep making a bathroom book. You know, you're trying to be entertaining. One of the things about this thing, um, oh, I, because of this particular type of book, I would recommend the curiosity factor, interesting stuff. You've written interesting blogs, I'm assuming. Well, then, you, you know, maybe you're trying to just pique curiosity. Maybe it's like really interesting things you didn't know about truck access or fascinating ideas about the Maryland divorce process or, um, um, you know, everything, you know, people have certain misconceptions about H1B visas and we're going to straighten them out. You know, be broad. You don't have to be too clever about it. Um, and just make sure that the concept can hold the essays. Um, Okay, so now this is, I'm going to get into, I got into a little metaphor here. I wasn't able to continue it. I like the kind of garbage salad metaphor, but, uh, you know, the next thing is I, I call it prepare the salad. And the idea is, you know, like you're a kid who's, you're like a kid who's raided a bunch of salad drawers from around the neighborhood, right? You've got some lettuce, some cabbage, some rotten, rotten corn. You've got some, you know, rutabagas. Um, some of it's usable. Some of it you have to sh cut off. Um, it is so... With your, with your content, in other words, some of it's going to be appropriate, some of it's not. And because, because you're making this garbage salad, you're not trying to make a linear book, it's going to be a lot easier. And this is why I think th this approach is really good for the specific kind of book you're trying to create. If you're trying to create an ebook from scratch, which I've actually done with most of my clients, you don't need to do this. You can start with a concept and start fresh. But since you're starting with existing content, I would say you just take the salad, chop it up, 
you know, if something is, is desiccated or useless, toss it. You know, when in doubt, throw it out. Each essay needs to stand on its own. That's what's going to make this work for you. That um, you just need to make sure that it's, that if someone just flipped to that page, it would work. It would be interesting to them. Okay, now chop the salad and mix it. Again, I'm not so sure this, this metaphor is great, but I came up with it and I like this because this, this is a, a visual. Um, it's okay to reword the titles of your blog posts as long as the article still makes sense. You want the, the titles to be grabby. And so if you, because it's a blog, you probably had at the bottom some kind of call to action. Do you need to get a Minnesota divorce? If so, call our team at 800, blah, blah, blah. You want to cut that part out. Um, this is something you could outsource. You know, again, trying to leverage your time. You don't have to do every single thing here as long as it just gets done. Um, you know, the other thing is you might have a lot of articles that are good, but they're somewhat redundant. Well, don't be too redundant. You know, um, the essays, again, should stand on their own. You want to keep the things short. People have no attention span. No attention. No. Clients and prospects do not care um, in general what you have to say, <laughs> unless it touches them and it speaks directly to them. So get in, get out. Um, okay. The next thing is you want to create the order out of chaos. So now you've got a whole bunch of articles that you've pruned that they're, they're appropriate. They work on their own. So then now you need to, again, I couldn't figure out how to take the salad more metaphor to the next level. You need to make an order that makes sense and intuitive based on the content that you have. Um, you can group it into chapters that might be nice. So for instance, let's say you're a personal injury attorney, you've written about slip and falls, you've written about nursing home uh, problems, you've written about motor vehicle accidents. Well, you can have a chapter on motor vehicle accidents. It contains the best of the best of your motorcycle, truck accident, bus accident posts. You can have another you know, section on slip and falls. You can have another section on um, you know, the specific stuff of your state. So you're in Texas. What are the specific posts about Texas law or Texas events that you've put in there? And by the way, or if you've had current events, you can put that there. You can make a chapter on, you know, stories in the news. Here's my reporting on my feed. That's completely legitimate. Um, I would suggest not outsourcing this step because this is the step that you're going to sit there and kind of look at everything that's in the, in the salad and you're going to organize it. Again, the salad metaphor has got to be tossed out the window. I don't know why I came up with it. I think there's some uh, merit to it, but you know, again, getting getting uh, getting back to this next point, you know, you're looking on not on creating the perfect order, but one that's good enough. Just like I was creating a PowerPoint here that's not perfect but good enough. I you, you probably get what I'm trying to uh, convey here. So you so now you've got an order. You've put all the pieces in order, and on step eleven. Seems like a weird step to have, but I want you to strongly resist the idea of tweaking the book or making it better or adding content to it or worrying over it because you know what? Not worth your time. Um, you want to be able to get this out to the market and test it. Um, if you really think that like this is not working, it's just crappy, then you can tweak what you have. But the reality is you probably don't need to do it. It's easy to add endlessly to a book, to feel like you need to write more chapters because there's a lot you have to say about this topic. You're passionate about it. You're passionate about helping this client. There's diminishing returns. It's the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. What are the 20 things, the 20% of things that get 80% of the results? Any, you, know, you don't want to be wasting your time on the 80% of the things that get 20% of the results. Figure out, keep, you want to keep yourself um, in check. Um, 
again, your time is worth hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars an hour, maybe not that much yet, but don't waste your time. Uh, do the minimum you need to get the book done. I have had a lot of clients come to me and they say, I want to write a hundred page book, which would be great for me, a lot more money, but it's, what's the point? You're not, you can do as much with a 30 page book as with a hundred page book, do the shortest amount, the least amount of work you can do to get the effort, the results. Okay. So now step 12 and we're almost, we're I'm half an hour in here, or 35 minutes in, we're almost to the end. You want you to get feedback from two people you trust. Okay. So, um, now you don't want, you want to not zero or one, you have to keep it real. You know, you've got, um, there's a great quote from Jim Collins, another author I love. He's a, he wrote, um, good to great and a bunch of other best-selling books. And he talked about something called the Stockdale paradox. And it has to do with Admiral Stockdale who ran for vice president with Ross Perot in the nineties, but more famously was a captured during the Vietnam war. He was tortured and imprisoned along with his men. And, um, he managed to survive. And later on, Collins interviewed him and he said, how did you do it? And he said, well, it was easy. Um, I, I, I never gave up hope. I always knew that I would prevail. And then he's, he said, well, what about the ones who, who didn't survive? He said, oh, well, that, they were the optimists. And Collins said, I don't understand. I thought you're an optimist. That's what helped you. He said, no, no, these are the people who are delusional optimists. They kept thinking, oh, we're going to get out in, in Christmas. And Christmas would come and they wouldn't get out. Oh, we're, and then they said, well, we'll get out by April, by Easter. Easter would come, they wouldn't get out, and they died of a broken heart. And the idea of the Stockdale paradox, the, the moral is, you need to be, be very clear about what reality is, and you also simultaneously have to embrace this resilience, this sense that you're going to survive and, and, and thrive. And so this kind of feedback mechanism helps you do that because um, you want at least two people to look at it so they keep you real, keep you honest. Is this book crap? Should you redo it? Should you toss it? And this, the other thing is, you at the same time, you don't want to overwhelm yourself. You don't want to have three or more people to do it. You're going to get noted to death. People will feel like they want to give you notes just to do something. And it's just going to make it a mess. So you can always edit later after the fact, after you get feedback from your clients. Step 13 is polishing the book. Um, and again, you want to use the feedback that you get to make the book better. The perfect is the enemy of the good. You want to know, is this book going to be good enough for your purpose? This is why we did the legwork earlier about all the kind of heady, you know, spiritual, whatever stuff about purpose and be, do, have, and, and values, because you want to have that as a reference. If you're trying to, you know, if you want to give this book away as a, um, as in a seminar, is the book going to be good enough that you can print out and, and feel good about handing out to people? Or is the book just something that you want as a pay-per-click lead magnet? Maybe the bar is a little lower then because it's, just, it's not going to be in print. And so it'll be good enough. And so by having done the legwork, the pre-thinking, you're going to be able to figure out how to edit the book so it will be less painful. Um, lastly, if you do need to edit or swap the essays around or God forbid, add extra content to kind of create the sinews and ligaments of the book, make it more of a piece instead of just a garbage salad. I would say there's a great concept called Parkinson's law. And this is the idea that, um, work expands to fill the, um, the time allowed for it. So if you give you give yourself three weeks to edit the book, it will take you three weeks. If you give yourself two days, it will take you two days. And the idea is you want to, um, 
you want to make that time limit um, as, as, as sharp as possible without being ridiculous so that you'll finish the project because you want to get onto other things you want. And it's not just, you want to get under things in your business. You want to go like play golf with your family. You want to go or swim or what have you, um, or just watch football and not have to be constantly at work. I mean, I know you're, you know, we're both, I'm an entrepreneur, you're running a firm, which is kind of a similar thing. It's easy to say, I'm going to work on the weekends and work, you know, a lot. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, Set a time limit. Be nice to yourself. Forcing yourself to finish is going to be useful. Finally, again, technical aspects. I'm assuming you've done this all on a Microsoft Word document or whatever, or Word program. Um, you just need to add a table of contents, a disclaimer, and some cover art. Table of contents is easy. You just, um, I mean, you just write the chapter, the, the name of the essay or blog post, the page it's on, <laughs> and then you're done. Disclaimers, you can. Borrow disclaimers from other people. They should, you know, you want, you're a lawyer, so you understand probably better than I do what needs to be in a disclaimer. Keep it short. Um, if you want, you can email me. I can send you some examples. Killercovers.com is the site that I recommend all my clients go to. And they think they charge $117 a cover. I would say don't go cheapo on the cover. You can go to a site called, called Fiverr or other sites online and get your covers done, design, done for 10, 15 bucks, but they're not going to be as good. In, you know, the cover is a real, um, it's an important piece because it's what people see before they want to download your book. So make it good. Um, step 15 is you, once you get the cover back from Killer Covers, you add it and then you save the book as a doc, a doc file or a PDF file or you both. And then guess what? You're done. That's it. You know, right now you're probably looking at the, the distant mountain where you want to be in five years. I want to have a firm that's like a $2 million a year firm and 10, 15 people working for me and an office and a penthouse. And, you know, you want to be able to celebrate the stuff that happens along the way because it's good for your morale. It's good for your long-term business. Again, you do have, do you want to be someone who never celebrates? Who is just like, oh, great. I did it. Next. What do you want to say? Someone like, wow, I did it. Like, this is hard for me. It was a new thing and I did it. So I'm saying, go do that. Um, make yourself, take yourself out to dinner, take your you know, spouse or partner or friend out for dinner, um, go to a batting cage. I don't know. So that's it. I want to say, let me just wrap it up again, along the spirit of tell them what you tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them. We walk through 16 steps to create an awesome evergreen ebook from your blog posts. I hope this has been helpful. Um, if you need personal help with your ebook, wherever you are, you can contact me at adam at virtuosoebooks.com. Um, you know, I'm happy to, no matter where you are, I'm happy to kind of just talk on the phone um, and help you do the pro and help you think about how to do the project. And um, one thing with my business, I've done a ton of these ebooks and I'm increasingly moving towards doing blog posts, just blog posts for attorneys and not as many ebooks. Um, just because I found that it's easier for me to scale it. I'm hiring writers now. And when ebooks come in, they're big projects and then they go away. It's harder for me to scale that. Um, so I'm not sure how many ebooks I'm going to be writing in the future. So if you, do, you are interested, please contact me. Um, again, I'm happy to sort of, no matter where you are in the process, happy to have a conversation and sort of just suggest resources and to help you take what you're doing to the next level. Thanks, Adam. That was great. This program, audio, if you want to tell your friends, family about it, uh, it'll be available on our lunchhourlegalmarketing.com website shortly and also on Legal Talk Network through our Lunch Hour Legal Marketing podcast. 
Thank you all for attending, and we'll see you next month. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.